welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 5th of November 2017, entitled The Lifestyle of the Redeemed. And the Bible reading is taken from Colossians chapter 3, verses 15 to 17. Here's Pastor Tom Gritz. Thank you, Brother Larry. Thank you for allowing us to be here today just to enjoy this time with you, to share the excitement of, uh, of 86 years. And that's, that's a long time. I'm not that old yet. And uh, even though I have been here uh, here in this, in this country, Mrs. Gritz and I have been here in England for now for the past uh, 34 years and uh, ministering in this country, uh, doing what we can do for the glory of the Lord. Uh, right now, they're at Temple Baptist Church. We're in our second phase of our church building. Uh, we've already finished our first phase and paid for that. Now we're into our second phase, and we're building on the back of the church. We're building a new new kitchen. Our ladies are excited about that because if you've seen the kitchen we have uh, for over the years, it, you know if you got two people in there, they couldn't turn, and uh, so now they'll be able to have a bit more room, a little another uh, space for fellowship, a couple of two more classrooms, a uh, a, 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 a storeroom, and two more toilets. And, uh, and uh, right now, what it is, we have uh, all the walls are up, uh, all the beams are up, all the windows are in, the doors are being for long. Uh, right now, we're at a standstill because we changed some structure. We had to go then go through the uh, council to get the changes done. We're waiting for them to say, okay, once they do that, we'll get all that done, and it'll be then enclosed, and the, uh, all the piping and all the electrics and then all the plasterboard. It's just exciting. But you know, how do you get to that point? By faithful people. By faithful people. People who are willing to, and to catch hold of the vision that God has for a church. I was, uh, I was preaching uh, uh, up, in, up north not long ago, and, and uh, the people there, they have a small church building, and they was asking, how did, how did you decide to build, or how did, what did you do? I said, well, we had, I have to be honest with you. When we first look at the building and we're getting ready to buy the building, we only had 15 people. And those 15 people got down on their knees and prayed about it. And then when we had the church meeting, those 15 people said, let's go for it. Let's buy the building. But it's catching the vision. It's catching what God is doing in a place. I also want to say thank you to this church very much. Of course, Mrs. Gritz and I are involved with Baptist Bible College there in, in, in Telford. And uh, we appreciate your faithful support. We appreciate you giving to us. We appreciate it very much that you have been one of the faithful churches that, that always give monthly, and you always then give the extra and we appreciate you very, very much, and thank you for your faithfulness to, to that ministry. And uh, right now, the, uh, uh, the, the men's uh, shower room is being redone, and uh, it's been needing that for quite a while. And so right now, it's being redone and uh, doing everything to it. And then, of course, hopefully the uh, uh, roof on the garage will be done. And uh, so just a lot of things going on. We, around our area, we're just building. We're just building. But if you take your Bible with you this morning to Colossians chapter 3, Colossians chapter 3, verse 15 through 17 this morning, just those three verses. And as we see what God is doing, we have to come to the point of understanding how come something can last? A lifestyle, 
a lifestyle of the redeemed. God is always going to use people. God really doesn't use organizations. God really doesn't use associations. God really doesn't use those type of things. God uses people. And people have to be willing to allow God to use them. God is not going to force himself on you, but God will also lead you to realize what you need to be doing for him. And there's a lifestyle of the redeemed. As we look in verse 15, it says, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. The way we live shows God to the world. The way you respond to God, the way that you live with God. Now, uh, we've been noticing uh, around Temple Baptist Church and here lately, one of the themes that we've been going through is, is who is really God? You see, people make God their way. And it's sad to say that even Christians today make God their way. They make him to fit their idea. They're making the fit their lifestyle. They're making fit what they want to do. They don't look at God as the holy God, as the eternal God, as the existing God. They don't look at that. They look at God as he has to conform to me. And that's totally against scripture. I'm to conform to him. I'm to conform to what God has. I'm not to conform to what, make God conform to man. Mankind does not have anything to say to God except worship God. He is God. He is the God. And if we really begin to realize who God is, it truly changes our lifestyle. It changes things in our lives. Society wants to live their own lifestyle. The Bible even tells us in Romans chapter 1, we don't have time to go there, but take time to read Romans chapter 1, and you'll find out the world's lifestyle. And you look at our world today, and Romans chapter 1 is telling us right up to date what's going on. But also it says in Proverbs chapter 21 and verse 2, every way of man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord pondereth the hearts. Every way of man is right in his own eyes. Man looks at everything, and man says, well, I'm right. Everybody else is wrong. I'm the one that's, that's doing okay. Everybody else has the problem. That's not so. You see, we see things differently. You know, if I take my glasses off right now, then, then all of you have just mingled together as colors. I couldn't make out who you are, you know, or anything of that, your facial features, you know, if you got a big nose, if you got a, you know, a bald head, if you got, you know, whatever, I couldn't. But if I put my glasses on, I can see you. You were hiding from me. I can see you. Well, see, folks, that's what we have to come to that point of understanding. When we truly come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, then he opens our eyes. 
He opens our eyes truly to this world, and he opens our eyes truly to the way we should be living our lives, not our ways. Because God pondereth the heart. Also in Judges chapter 17 and verse 6, and you read all the book of Judges, and this was the problem with the book of Judges and with Israel at that time. It says, in those days there was no king in Israel, but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. When there's not any leadership, then people start doing their own thing. When there's no leadership, then they start wandering. And the children of Israel, every time that, that even though God would take care of them, then they'd forget about God and they'd start doing their own thing. They started wandering again and they got in trouble again. That's like a lot of us Christians. We get to the point of saying, oh, everything's just fine. Everything's all right. Nothing's, nothing's bothering me now. And, and we, then we begin to wander away from God. And, and then things get, to get a little bit too, too rough again. And we go into, why in the world is it happening? Because, see, I'm doing my things my own way. You see, I got to stay close to the leader. I got to stay close to the one who, who, who has it all together. I need to stay close to God. In those days, we find out that the fleshly man does not follow God's lifestyle. That means then the redeemed life is different. Our life is ought to be different from the world's. If we want people to see what makes uh, Bethel Free Baptist Church unique, it's God. And it's his lifestyle. It's not somebody else's. You know, I, I appreciate Brother Larry very much. I appreciate, I appreciate his friendship all through the years. Um, when he first came, yeah, we find out they had five children. We had five children. And nobody else would invite people over who had five children. And that's why we got together a lot. And I do remember one time we went off with Jane and, and Larry and my wife and myself. And we did leave Sally with the rest of them. I got back and Sally told us, I'll never do that again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, folks, you know, uh, you know, I appreciate Larry, but his faithfulness. I appreciate it when I was sitting and beginning to talk with him and understand him that, that he had a heart, that he wanted to see something happen, that he was willing to, to give up him, his own self to, to do what God wanted him to do. And today the world doesn't understand that. See, the world looks at us and thinks we're crazy. The world thinks that we're off our rocker. The world thinks that something's wrong with us because we want to live right. We want to do right. You know, it's interesting as we read in the newspapers now and we hear the, hear the uh, uh, news reports of all these uh, scandals now and all these uh, sexual harassments that are coming up and everything. You know, what, you know why it's all come up and, and doing it as it is? It's because it's the, been the world's lifestyle. You see, your lifestyle catches up with you. You want a drink? Go ahead. But it'll catch up with you. You want to take drugs? Go ahead. But it'll catch up with you. You want to go ahead and act like the world and, and be, uh, and, you know, just give yourself to any person? Go ahead. It will catch up with you. And when it always catches up with you, we get mad. And we want to blame everybody else except for the person who made the decision ourselves. Ourselves. You see, as the redeemed, we should show people our God. And today, if you truly know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have the job of showing people your God. 
And what does your God do? You know, I appreciate these people translating. We have, uh, we have some Portuguese people in our church. And, uh, and when the grandma and grandpa come over, then the, then the girls translate for them. And I always said, we're having good tongue service that day. <laughs> you know, you know. So I'm used to that. So three things about the lifestyle of redeemed. The first one, they had the peace of, of Christ. They had the peace of Christ. In verse 15, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which ye also are called in one body and be ye thankful. Have a different conduct. We're to have a different conduct than the world. You know, one of the things, again, as I was mentioning there about all the scandals and all the sexual things going on, is the fact that we have stopped and forgotten to be how to be polite. Fellas, I'm going to say something to you. Some of you may not understand, or, or some of you just will look at me like you're, you're just stupid. We have forgotten how to be gentlemen. We have really forgotten how to be gentlemen, how to be honest, how to be above board. See, the world says, well, just do it the way you want to do it. Live your life the way you want to live it. It doesn't make any difference. It does with God. And ladies, we've, you've forgotten how to be ladies. If you want some, a guy to be a gentleman, then you need to learn to be a lady and learn how to allow a gentleman to take care of us. Not me, you. You see, we've, we've forgotten some things. We see, because we allowed the world's lifestyle to even enter into our own lives and our own thinking, and we have changed our conduct because we're allowing the world to change our lifestyles. But it shouldn't. Our lifestyle should be one that's different. Peace. He says there in verse number 15, and let the peace of God. Peace. What is peace? It's harmony. It's harmony, and it takes effort to have peace. Musical instruments always need tuning. Just like I said, they're having a tuning session. They always need to be tuned. You know, if they're not tuned, it doesn't sound right. It's not in, in, in accord as the Bible talks about. But true peace is harmony. What does the world today shout so much for? They want peace. But they don't want harmony. See, harmony means then I have to do something. If it means if I'm going to have harmony, that means then I have to do something. I have to show my abilities to, to tune up, to act right, to clean up, to do right. But then he talks about the rule in verse 15. The peace of God, the rule in your heart. The word rule is an athletic term. It means Excuse me, let me turn my page here. It means to preside at the games and distribute the prizes. In other words, it's the judge or the referee. Oh, how many of you ever root for the referees? Uh, sometimes they get booed at, you know. Sometimes they get things thrown at them, you know. But they're human. Sometimes they do things wrong, but they're doing a job. They're trying to keep the rules of the game so that people can enjoy the game and play the game properly. And when the rule is there, that means we, are, we play by the rules of God. We're not playing by human rules. We're not playing by our own rules. We're playing by the rules of God. And when we play by the rules of God, then peace is a part of it. 
Let the peace of God rule in your heart. Let it be the judge. Let it be the referee of what decisions that you make in your life. Remember, peace is, 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 is an effort. Peace is just not something that comes along and then you go, I'm at peace. Peace, you have to work at it. You have to continually be a part of it. Let it be a part of you. And let it rule. Let it have the rule over you. Peace of God is the referee in our believing heart. Peace is not a feeling. It is a decision. So many times, that's where we come wrong in our Christian life. We want everything to be a feeling. It's not a feeling. Peace is a decision. Hey, we had a, our men's breakfast yesterday, Brother Larry, and uh, one of our, our, uh, our young men, he, he taught, uh, Mark Elson. Mark Elson gave the, de the, uh, uh, the uh, uh, devotion yesterday. And it was so interesting. Uh, Mark, he, he, he started out and he was talking about this peace of God. And he said, I said, he said, you know, a Christian's life is important as being a church member. And, uh, uh, excuse me. A Christian's life is important because your church attendance is important. And he said, in the last three years, my church attendance hadn't been that well. And God began to convict me, and I needed to know why. You know, what, what's so easy for you to not come to church? I mean, you get up on Sunday morning. Do you have to make yourself come? Do you really have to go, oh, man, it's Sunday morning. But if I don't go, Brother Larry's going to get after me. If I'm not there, Brother Larry's going to think that something's wrong with me. He's going to think maybe I'm in sin. He's going to, you know, is that the reason why you come? It shouldn't be. You see, you shouldn't have any problem of getting up on a Sunday morning and saying, I'm going to church. Because see, a redeemed person knows that's where he needs to be so he can have the fellowship with other brothers and sisters in Christ so he can let the Spirit of God work in his heart. We need to come. You know, sometimes <clears throat> this is the uh, 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 fleshly part, brother, brother Larry and me sometimes. I wish I'd do it just like some of my church members would. I'd love to see what they'd think if I didn't show up on a Sunday. <laughs> and then they say, but Pastor Gritz, where were you? Oh, there was a car boot sale I wanted to go to. <laughs> you know, they had something going on at the NEC, and I wanted to be there. You know, they had, they had something else, you know, something that went else. You know, now, the other, not long ago, we, we got together. A bunch of our folks went to, up to Stone to the food festival. Man, that was a lot of fun. You know, you know, but you know, but people sometimes people will use any excuse not to come. But if you are truly redeemed, this is a lifestyle. This is where we should be. There should not be any second thought of what in the world I'm going to do when I get up on Sunday morning. I should be here. Because you see, when we do that, we're allowing the rule in our lives. We're allowing a peace to come. We have peace with each other. Now, we have a different peace than the world. We must believe, uh, we must beware of the false peace in the heart. Jonah deliberately disobeyed God, yet he was able to go to sleep in the hole of a ship in a storm. You know that? There are some people who say, oh, I know this is the peace of God. I know I'm doing what God wants you to do. It is what, it's the peace of God, but it's really not. See, Jonah thought he was. And then when the storm was going on, Jonah was asleep. 
And Jonah knew what the problem was. So when they finally all started saying, Who, who's the problem? Jonah said, it's me. Why? I'm running from God. And they threw him in the, in the sea. What happened when they threw him in the sea? Not only he got swallowed by the, the, the whale, but what happened? The storm ceased. The storm ceased. Folks, we got to understand. I have peace about it. It's not sufficient evidence that we are in the will of God. The right peace in our heart. We will be, be at peace with others in the church. Do you know what? When we have truly have peace, that means I'm at peace with you. I have peace here at, at, at Bethel because I know that this is where God wants me to be. That God is working in me. And the decisions I make where God has me a minister, it makes peace in the church. But you got to remember, we are called to one body, as it says in verse 15. It says, which also you're called into one body. You see, really, I'm not a stranger to you today. You may say, yes, Pastor Gritz, we've seen you many times before. You know, we've watched you through the years, how you've gotten older and gotten gray. Yeah. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm family. You're family. You see, when we came together to worship together, our spirit should bear witness with your, each other's spirit. And if we get that togetherness, that means that I'm a part of you today. I'm with the family today. You are my brothers and sisters in Christ. You're not just Bethel Baptist Church, but you're brothers to me. You're sisters to me. We are, we are our blood relationship. You didn't know you were part Native American, did you? We've got to realize if we're going to be in, in harmony and peace with God and we truly have the peace knowing it's a peace, when there is peace in the heart, there will be peace on the lips and we'll be thankful. Are you really thankful for Bethel Baptist Church? Are you really thankful for it? You see, if this is the family, and then we come each Sunday and we're coming to see family, we're coming to have that time of fellowship with family, then we ought to be thankful that we have a family that cares about us, that loves us. Number two, they had the word of Christ in verse 16. They had the word of Christ. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. The word dwell. There were many false teachers in Colossae with man-made traditions and religious rules and, and human philosophies in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 8. He tells us about that. He said, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. You see, in Colossae, there were many false teachers. And he says, you need to know about those false teachers. You need to know about those people who aren't, aren't preaching and teaching right. You need to know that. But how do we know that? How do we know when it's false, when it comes in? We dwell. As it says there in verse, uh, verse 16, he says, he said, let the word of Christ dwell in you. The word dwell literally means to feel at home. To feel at home. The word of God ought to feel at home in our lives. The word of God ought to be something that, that is just part of us. It's not that we're, you know, I, I remember when I first came to this country, the term that a lot of them would use, Bible basher. Oh, that's a Bible basher. You know, he's a Bible basher. Praise the Lord. You know, 
No problem with that. But the word of God ought to dwell in us, ought to be at home in us so much that it's what we are. You see, God can change a heart. God can change conduct. God can change a lifestyle when we allow the word of God to dwell in us when it becomes at home in us. The word of God should come home. You know, you ought to be comfortable with it. I know some people, uh, we used to have some people who were very house proud. I don't think there's anybody like to hear today. You know, you know, you, uh, you know, you had to be careful. You couldn't put your head on the back of the couch and on the settee. You couldn't, you know, you had to take your shoes off. Now, at my house, when you come to visit us, you don't have to take shoes off. We got about three or four uh, rugs that you wipe your feet on before you get in the house. You know, I, I don't take my shoes. I don't wear house slippers. I don't, you know, hey, it's home. It's home. I'm comfortable. And I want you to be comfortable when you come to our house. I want you to be comfortable knowing, you know, you don't have to put on the airs and graces when you come. And I remember the first time that we were, we had been in the country for about a year and I went, we went to visit one of our ladies and she was busy. So I went into her kitchen. I put the kettle on and I made the cups of tea and everything else. She says, boy, you finally made it. You're at home. Yeah. Listen, we come here, we're home. We allow the word of God to dwell in us. It becomes so much of us. We're at home. And this is what Bethel ought to be. When people come in, they ought to say, I can make this my home. I can make this my home. And when we do that, we find out it dwells in us richly. We hear it. Who hath ear to hear, let him hear, Matthew 13, 9 says. We handle it. Study to show thyself or prove unto God a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, 2 Timothy 2, 15. We hide it. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee, Psalms 119, verse 11. Number three, they had the name of Christ. In verse 17, and whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. In society, we pay little attention to names. But the ancient world held a man's name to be of utmost importance. I'm a Native American. We were up in uh, Skimmersdale not long ago, up, up north. I was preaching there, and, and uh, the, the pastor wasn't there. I was just the, the, uh, the filling in the pulpit. And uh, we were standing there, we were shaking hands with people coming through, and this older gentleman, he come through, and he was shaking our hand, he was talking to us, and he said, uh, you're one of those, uh, I couldn't, uh, yeah, oh, you're one of those colonials that's come over here, aren't you? I said, nope, I'm not. I said, I'm a Native American. He went, oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a colonial. I'm a Native American. I'm a Native. I, I was in Philippines. We were there for about a month, and 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 the folks would uh, the Filipinos come to you. Are you Filipino? I said I'm Native, but not here. Everywhere I go, I'm a Native, but I'm not of that that country. I'm a Native of of, of my home country. My name means something. I think I told you this before, and some of you haven't heard it. Uh, when my mom was expecting me. And by the way, congratulations. You're going to have five children? And 13 grandkids? And look like this? 
When my mom was expecting me, she did not think I was going to be a boy. She thought I was going to be a girl. And so she had no boys' names picked whatsoever. My name was supposed to have been June Marie. <laughs> well, lo and behold, I was born. Look at me. I'm not a June Marie. You remember who was it? Uh, 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 Johnny Cash sang a boy named Sue? Yeah, I would have been the boy named June. But I wasn't a girl. So mom and dad had not picked out any boys' names whatsoever. So what are you going to name this boy? Tommy Grits. That's it. I don't have a, a second name. Just Tommy Grits. My name is Tom. My Native American name is Dom. And what Dom means, just who I am. So that's what I've always done in my life. Just who I am. That's the way God has put me. The name is important. And we find out here that the name of Christian is very important. Name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. He says, and whatsoever you do in word or deed, in the name of the Lord Jesus. When we come to know Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we become Christians. We truly become to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And Christians, we find out that we bear the name of Christ. The word Christian is found only three times in the New Testament. In Acts 11, verse 26, the last part of it says, and the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. In Acts chapter 26 and verse 28, almost thou persuadest me to become a Christian. That's King Agrippa. In 1 Peter 4, 16, ye if, if, yet if any of you suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on, the, on, his, on this behalf. When we find out that the, the name Christian, when it first was used, was not an enduring uh, term, it was a, a term of, of, of contempt. And when we say, I'm a Christian, there should be a reason for it. It's a name. And it has character to it. And if we're saying we're going to identify, and that's what it is, the name of Christ, that means identification. We belong to Jesus Christ then we should ought to say, this is what I am. I'm a born-again believer. I know Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. He's given me a hope in my life. He's given me a brand new life. And because of that, I want to live for him. I want to die for him. I want to do whatever he wants me to do. It's not my life anymore, but it's the life of Christ. You see, When the name truly comes to importance to us, it's not us graving our names on a marble, but graving uh, graving it on our hearts. In Proverbs 22 and verse 1, it says, it's it's better to desire a good name that is is far above rubies and gold. The name Grits, it's it's not an English name. It's really not an American name. It's a fact when the Cherokees came into Oklahoma, the Indian agents would be listening to their names and whatever they said, then whatever it sounded like to them, that's what they wrote down. And that's what we got, how we got our name, Grits. It's an interesting name. Now, if you want to eat Grits, you have to spell it G-R-I-T-S. We're spelled G-R-I-T-T-S. And I like Grits. Amen. Good stuff. I like Grits. But folks... That name Grits means something. We have gone around in the United States and people would say, are you a Grits? 
I'd be in places I'd never been before, and somebody would come up, are you a grits? Yeah. How come? The name. I was in Vilnius, Lithuania. I stepped out of the car, which was that, right in, in city center. I walked up on, on the path, and this fellow walked by and he stopped. Are you a grits? Listen, folks, our names ought to be something. When people say your name, what do they think? When they hear your name, what's the thoughts that come to their mind? You see, as a Christians, they ought to come to a part, a part of saying, if they're Christian, their lives are different. Their conduct is different. Their views are different. There's a difference about them because of being a Christian. Be thankful for the name of Jesus. Notice what it says there in verse 17, and whatsoever you do in word or deed, whatever you do, it's the name of Jesus that, that, that you're pro, pro, proclaiming. It's the name of Jesus and his great name. And he says there, uh, give thanks to God and the Father by him. Give thanks to him. Folks, there are some things that sometimes we don't give thanks for. Sometimes we're going to need to give him thanks for the bad things. We're going to give him thanks for the bad things that happen in our lives. You know why? Because God's in control. You know, God's in control of the world today. I know that there's a lot of people who will come up to me and say, if God is such a great God, how come there's so many bad things? Because there's humans in it. Because there's humans. We're the bad part, not God. What do we promote? Do we truly promote peace? Do we truly promote harmony? Do we promote all these things? But are we promoting our own agendas? You got to do what I do. If you don't understand me, you don't understand what I do, then, then, then you're wrong. Hey, that's not what the Bible says. Remember, God is always right. It's his agenda. I like, I like, I like your church because of the, the, the uh, mixed multitude here because it makes me feel at home at Temple. We're the same way. We're a multicultural Temple. And, and we, 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 we didn't laugh, but we looked at our clock. And uh, about, you know, after you've already started the service, and about 20, 25 minutes later, everybody gets here. Happens at Temple. We start at half past 10. And then by 11 o'clock, it's time for the, for the preaching. And then finally, everybody's there by 11 o'clock. We go ahead and get started. We only may have 20 people there, but then we'll have 70, 80 people by the time we get ready to preach. You know what I've, you know what I've done? I just enjoy it. At least they're there to hear the preaching. The most important part. You know, folks, we ought to be thankful. We ought to be thankful for the people who, who took time to establish Bethel Free Baptist Church. We ought to remember them and thank them. We ought to remember all the ministers that have come through here to keep this church going. We ought to thank them. We ought to come to this point today. 26 years, Brother Larry has been here. We ought to thank him. You know what he'll tell you? And that's what we ultimately will do. Just thank the Lord. We praise the Lord. We give thanks to him. Because it's all about him anyway. You see, folks, all that we say and do, we should associate with the name of Jesus Christ. By our words, our, our, our words, our works, we should glorify his name. When we permit other things into our lives that are not associated with the name of Jesus, 
then we are sinning. What we, what, <clears throat> what we do or say must be by the authority of the name and for the, his honor and for his honor of his name. Everything we do. Since we are united with Christ by salvation through the Spirit, we should be a different lifestyle. Our motives is because we enjoy the peace of Christ. We want to obey him. We can be uh, enriched by the word of of Christ. It dwells in us richly. And we have a great name of Christ because he saved us. Therefore, we want to honor and glorify him. This church continue on. It will continue on as long as Christ is the sinner. He gets all the glory. He gets all the honor. They'll continue on. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for these people coming and being here today. Thank you for their their faithfulness to you. But I ask you now, Father, that if they look into their hearts and their lives, what kind of lifestyle have they been living? What has been going on in their lives? Maybe there's some things that they have allowed to come in that shouldn't be in, and they've kind of gotten away a little bit, and they've kind of uh, let down their guard and, Lord, the rule is not the word of God anymore, but the rule is is their own ideas. Lord, help us to come back to you. Father, I ask you that today there's some here that have never accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior because, God, you're not going to be able to work in the hearts and lives of people until we know you as our Lord and Savior. If we have that salvation experience where we come to you, Father, and confess our sins and, and, and ask you to come into our heart and our lives, God, there has to be that. You're looking for people who are willing to give of themselves and let you work through them. Father, thank you for this church. Thank you for what you've done done here. Lord, thank you for what you're going to do. We give you all the honor and glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.